It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the live Saturday show. The phone lines are open for you. Of course, you can bring up anything that's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. I am Marvin the Martian. You are making me very angry. Thanks for joining us, Marvin. I'm just kidding. It's the captain. <laughs> Where is the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. That's a pretty good impression. I haven't heard that character in a long time. Yeah. He's, wasn't it the Jetsons? No, Marvin the Martian. He was Looney Tunes, wasn't he? I thought I thought he first appeared on like the Flintstones. Maybe you're right. And then ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I then think you're somehow right. like crossed over into the Jetsons. Yeah. Well, they did have the Flintstones Jetsons crossover right. shows. Uh, all right. So there's lots to talk about tonight here. Elon Musk, of course, has been in the news. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to start a line of cologne called like Musk, Musk. by Elon. <laughs> Right. Surprised he has something like that, and so all these people who are who are blowing him now in the social media and all mm-hmm. the regular media, whatever, uh, so they can all smell like him too. So it doesn't sound like you're a big fan. I, I, I mean, uh, I should preface this with: I have sort of fallen off of the uh, the thing that that people do. Even though I'm a musician and uh, I'm a fan of many things, I'm a fan of even before I was on the show, I was a fan of the show, many other different shows, podcasts, and radio programs, and uh, many musicians and actors and stuff like that. But I'm slowly falling off the, I'm a fan of something, because I realize that these are just people. They're people, yeah. And so, uh, you well, know. The old I, statement, if you ever meet your heroes, they're bound to disappoint you. And and they do. Yeah. And so, like, I'm trying not, I'm proactively trying not to, like, worship celebrities. No, and, a terrible idea. And, and that kind of a thing. So, that's what I see happening here with Elon. Everybody mm-hmm. wants somebody who's freedom oriented to sort of put on a pedal pedestal and do the things that nobody else is doing because he has the money to do it. And all the that great kind of thing. man. Yeah. Right. Great I, man syndrome. But he's just a dude. Yeah. Well, with a lot of money. He's got a lot of money. Sure. But he's may just or a may dude. not be libertarian. Not I, real clear. I don't think he is. He he might be leaning that way, but I don't think he is. Yeah. I'm with you on this, Captain. I, I don't believe in celebrity worship at all. I'm not impressed by uh, celebrities, but I am entertained by some. And so, like, that's why I've said, yeah. I don't like Donald Trump, but I acknowledge he is entertaining <laughs> as entertaining. hell. And the same thing's true of Elon Musk. I don't know what to think about his personal beliefs. I don't know. I don't know how honest he is. I don't know anything about him as a as a businessman. Presumably, he's a good one because he's he's been successful. Yeah. Uh, whether or not he's an, a good person, I have no idea. But I do enjoy watching a good troll when they are <laughs> in their game doing what they do. So my reaction to your your commentary isn't really about whether or not I'm a fan of Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. It's about I'm plugged into social media and I see the overwhelming reactions from folks who are liberty leaning uh, who there's a there's a small vocal minority who are like screw that guy and then there's like a majority who are like we love him he is great and I'm just like oh god I'm yeah. just I'm just tired of the of the Musk in my social media. <laughs> I think the... Uh, oh, sorry to bring it up here tonight. No, it's fine. Uh, I, I think that the worship for him is un, unearned. You know, like, everybody thinks that he is going to be... If he's in charge of Twitter, 
this wonderful ruler and that all of a sudden Twitter will become this free place. And I don't buy that for a moment. I, and I'm of the belief that if there is a centralized platform for social media, that it will be co-opted. It will have a ton of rules. Yep. It will have you know all manner of community service guidelines or whatever it is that they, they call this nonsense. And yeah. maybe Elon Musk will loosen up here and there or whatever compared to the Twitter that we know today. Um, and that it, that may be enough to just set off the the current uh, fanatics, the the people that are mad about uh, Musk coming on board, the ones that are just freaking out, reing, if you will, and just having a conniption over this. And I think that's what a lot of people are really relishing here is not so much maybe the idea of Musk being the new ruler, but just the way some people are reacting to the idea that Musk could be the new ruler of Twitter. There are definitely a lot of people who are upset about that and ultimately that is what a troll's job is to to do right you (laughs) come into a a place and you say a thing and you get people to react and that much he has done successfully i much preferred the loud vocal people you know supporting ron paul for example when Mm -hmm. he was running back in what 08 and 12 and 12 so that you know that type of a reaction uh, because ron paul was at least a principled no doubt. libertarian, at least as far as his political career was concerned. And he was also not a politician by trade. He went to school, He's became a doctor, a doctor yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, he has those sort of credentials. So I'd much prefer to see my social media filled with somebody that claims to be principled and can back it up rather than, you know, some rich guy trying to troll Twitter. At, you know, I don't know. Uh, Peakless Mountaineer joining us. Welcome. Glad to be here. Good hey, to man. have you. So we're talking about uh, the Elon Musk, the world's richest troll, and his successful trolling so far when it comes <laughs> oh, oh, to taking over happen? Twitter. Gee, I hadn't heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I bet you hadn't. For listeners that may not have heard, Elon Musk bought 9 point something, 1 or 2% of Twitter's stock a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, that news came out, and that led to speculation about you know what's going to come next. And then he made an offer this week yeah, 43 I, billion or something yeah i saw this one article it's like well he's actually no longer the biggest shareholder because blackrock owns more it's like okay blackrock which is owned by a bunch of shareholders so no still the largest single shareholder as far as a human being is right. concerned yeah. Yeah. there are a lot of i did see the rundown of the ownership the top owners of twitter and it's like BlackRock, Vanguard, Bank of America. You know, really good, helpful, human-friendly companies, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a ton of these like big banks, big investment corporations that are involved. New, new information came out today about the current board of directors of Twitter showing that they own almost no stock. Like, the entirety of the board of directors. That explains so yeah. much. They literally own like 0.71% in total oh, gee, of the stock why of are you doing everything that, in your power to reduce the ability of this company to make of, money oh because it doesn't hurt your bottom line yeah to me that says something about their faith in twitter as a company mm-hmm. you know, sure like, does. like i'm gonna own zero of this company that i'm on the board of right and why are they on the board what is their their real goal there i mean some people would say that twitter isn't about making money it's about controlling it's about Absolutely. controlling people well, i mean it's a media company yeah i mean media does like 
news uh, broadcasters are notorious for being uh, money sink. I mean, whether it's uh, newspapers, uh, uh, cable news channels, like they're just notorious for being that thing that like you lose millions of dollars. But if you're a rich person, you own it like, you know, in theory to like, you know, have a, a nice public image of like, see, I'm keeping the press free. But realistically, it's always been about control. Did you hear the clip from MSNBC to that end? Because I've got that clip for you. I Just, did not. They actually said it out loud. This is a clip from, I think his name is Scarborough, Joe Scarborough. He's got a female co-host named Mika, uh, a little yeah. blonde lady. Here's what she had to say. They're talking about Elon Musk here in this uh, in this clip. Well, and I think that the dangerous you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. Did if you, you hear look that? at the ah! issues. And that is our job. That is our job, she says. We are the ones who can, are controlling what people think. Now, the rest of it was this blather that made absolutely no sense. She's just rambling uh, words coming out of her mouth. But that part was crystal clear. She just kind of slipped it in there. Like, oh, yeah, that's so that George job. Carlin bit where he's like, except for the Germans, they tried to take over the world. That's our effing job. <laughs> True or false, all propaganda is media. Mm. Um, not necessarily, because okay. you can say it out loud and not be recorded. Like, yeah, say it yeah it could come directly from the source. Right. So right. you can propagandize someone directly and not have an yeah. intermediate. So but mostly it's probably. Therefore, not all that's media why we is propaganda. Yeah. Not all media is propaganda. Not all. Let's talk about it. Okay. Coming up here, uh, 603-283-6160. You can join us, share your thoughts on the media, Musk, propaganda, whatever's on your mind on Free Talk Live's live Saturday show. It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. You can join us. You can bring up whatever is on your mind at 603-283-6160. want to say thank you to Brett Perry, who is a gold-level supporter of the AMPS Patreon, which you can join as well over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Advertise, market, promote, and support is what AMPS stands for. It's a way that you can get behind the show. And help us get Free Talk Live onto more great radio stations. We've got over 190 radio stations that air the show at various different times throughout nice. the week. So uh, we would love to have you help us with that. And you'll get some cool perks, some benefits if you join over at amps.freetalklive.com. Like Brett Perry, who's, again, gold level, which means he's doing at least 10 bucks a month. So thank you, Brett, for that. Perks and bennies. What, De- are we in a trailer park? Definitely appreciate that. Head over to amps.freetalklive.com. So we just played for you. A rambling clip of a woman named Mika. I don't honestly know what her last name is, but she's on a show on MSNBC, and I'm just going to play the uh, the relevant portion here where Thank she's talking you. I about. Appreciate it. She's talking about Elon Musk. That while unemployment and uh, the the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think, and that yeah. is the that is yeah, our yeah. job. Yeah. And that is, I mean, she says it all. She says it all. And that is our job. And she sounds angry about it, yeah. too. And, and that is our job. That is our job. 
<laughs> like, yep, it sure is. Like, that's why we're that's why we're actually like happy about the fact that there's possibilities that aren't you. What she's, of course, implying, if not clearly stating, is that whoever does control the media controls what people think. That's correct. Yeah. It's right out there for anybody to hear. Yeah, and, uh, and I mean, to be fair, this is kind of a complicated subject because, like, it is equally true that, like, uh, potentially a an American businessman is going to give us free speech again. It is equally true that an American oligarch it. has taken control of the most powerful media corporation on mm. the planet and, ten- and intends to unleash alt-right trolls. That's all true. Well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, we don't. This is. I think we were saying this before you. you well, if you in. have free speech, you inherently, by part of that, include unleashing alt right trolls. I don't. I don't jump to the conclusion that just because Elon Musk takes over Twitter would mean that it's going to become a free speech platform. I don't buy that. Well, that's. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying that's the topic of conversation. It would become sure. an Elon Musk approved mm-hmm. speech platform. Yeah. Most yeah. likely, he will have but his own rules. What does that mean specifically? Honestly. Honestly, I'm not even concerned with that level of it. Like, okay, so this is the guy who's into, like, uh, what is it, Starlink, Neuralink. Um, uh, He's got an AI program. Like, this is the guy who's into, like, brain chips. Like, that is the level that I am concerned with on this guy. Like, is he literally building Skynet? Like, is that exactly what he's doing here? Like, okay, Uh, so, because, like, consider for a moment, like, how much of... Self-driving cars. Well, consider how much of human thought exists on Twitter. Like, it is a substantial portion of human psyche that gets transmitted through Twitter. There's a lot of information there. There's a lot of the human mind in that system. It's a crappy platform. And you have a guy who's... In my opinion. Sure, sure, but I mean, like... So the thing about thoughts, like you have a thought, and then that connects to another thought, and by doing that, you can come up with something more complicated. And with Twitter, you've got like a short chunk of information and a short chunk of information. So like if you've got that many short chunks of information, it's just the wiring them together that's basically how we think. I Sure, you, you have valid points. Uh, when I first experienced Twitter... It was back in the what was it, 140 character limit, and you, you couldn't. Didn't they post double that at some or, point? I, I, there was all sorts of things now. you couldn't do, and and it was marketed as the social media platform for people with like ADD. And I'm like, oh, perfect, mm-hmm. great. And so I joined, right? Uh, just like I, you know, f- I was in bands and stuff, so mm-hmm. I wanted to be on social media and have a presence, etc. And so on. And uh, so I did, and I joined, and boy, it just sucked. I was just like, it, it wouldn't. I don't know. It wouldn't show me the people who I followed, or if it did, it would only show me the people that I followed who had a large following and not a small following, you know, and that type of a thing. Uh, and then, so I quit. I was like, nope, delete, bye bye. And then recently, I got back on Twitter because I was expanding my my social media presence with some crap that happened with MF Facebook MF blow you out or something. No, no, no. They just well, it, that's a whole story for okay. another time. But um, so anyway, I joined Twitter again because I'm like, okay, supposedly they improved some stuff. You can post links and media, and, you know, blah blah blah, and you know, it's the 140 character thing is gone, and it's I don't know how many it is now, but it's definitely it's 280. It's definitely fine uh, the way it is. What you can post, but it's still not enough. Oh my god, it's it's just it's worse. It's all the things I just complained about it the first time, except worse. 
right? Mm. So, like, when I follow somebody, it rarely show, it takes a while for somebody like if I follow somebody today, it's going to take a day, two days, whatever, before it shows me anything that that person actually tweeted. Uh, because it's busy showing me all the other stuff that I've followed and a whole bunch of ads and a whole bunch of because you liked this one tweet, we recommend these 70,000 other tweets for you or whatever <laughs> it is. And it's a list that's long. It gets in the way. It's cumbersome. Mm-hmm. I only use the web version because, no, I'm not downloading your app. Uh, I feel the same way about MF or Berg and his app as well. So I'm not. I only use the browser. And, oh, my God, it's just horrible to use. Well, I'm happy to say that social.freetalklive.com does not suffer from any of those problems. It does Captain. not. No, you don't get any uh, advertising. You don't get any you know, suggestions or anything like that as far as who you can follow. You can go and see who else is on the server and on your own volition follow them if you yes. want to. But. Uh, indeed. And I am on that one. You are. Uh, I'm also on float now. Okay. Uh, at Kickass Reverend. That's F L O T E. I always have to spell it because it's not spelled correctly. Yeah, F L O T E dot app. Yeah. A P P. Two P's. Libertarian run. Platform. It is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Aaron and Kingsley. Uh, yeah, they or, came to Porkfest a couple yeah, of years ago. They're having their own. They have a, a fest of their own every called Float Fest. Yep, that's yeah, right. It's, it's really hard to shift platforms though, because like uh, once something uh, there, there's that uh, accumulation effect where mm-hmm. like okay, well, once you've gotten this much, you're more likely to get more, and is there's just a tremendous amount of entropy in any kind of these systems. So like even if you have a, a better alternative to say YouTube, which the technology exists, it's out there. It's uh, called Odyssey. Yeah. It's it's a better system. It's decentralized. It doesn't uh, not what, really. Well, I mean the 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 backbone that it's Library on is absolutely is decentralized. decentralized. Yes. So but like Odyssey itself is they're running central. Uh, what do they call them? CDNs, content delivery network systems, just to make things faster. But yeah, I mean, there's that sort of uh, the Matthew principle, as they call it. Uh, to those who have, more will be given. To those mm-hmm. who have not, what they what little they have will be taken away. I mean, that's you, uh, you were on MySpace, right, back in the day. Yeah. All right. What was it that made everybody leave MySpace for Facebook? Uh, the uh, directory function, mostly. Like you could find your friends. Like on MySpace, you had to like talk to your friend and find out they had a MySpace and find out what the name they were under was, and you couldn't really effectively search them. So it was searching that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. wow. I don't even remember. Good memory. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. That was so long ago. Oh, yeah. Well, because it begs the question, what does it take to make a massive amount of people leave one platform for another? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a Better good networking. question. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here and share your thoughts on the potential takeover of Twitter. It's Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Live Saturday show here. It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open and you can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We have done a lot of discussion about this Elon Musk Twitter situation, but it just keeps on developing. Uh, the latest development is that Musk has made an offer to purchase 
the entirety of the remaining shares of Twitter. He currently owns over 9% of the company. For 5, 420. 5420. Yeah, he loves the number 420 and the other and number 69. He constantly uses those in various different things. 69, dudes. And uh <laughs> and he's offering an an amount that is higher than the current stock price. So it's, you know, like I don't know, 20% or 30% right. higher or something like I that. I think I heard Conan talk about when he bought his n- not whatever his 9% or whatever that he paid what 35 bucks a share or something. I'm not sure. That's a good he said on the Conan said on the show anyway. Oh yeah, that that sounds right because the price went up when he announced that he had purchased it. It jumped up like twenty five percent and went up to over forty dollars. Right, so but his offer sense. to buy Twitter is actually at a much higher rate per share. It's like you know if if it was thirty five, it's you know fifty five or whatever. It's fifty four twenty. So a good twenty bucks more than what he bought his own shares Correct. at. So he wants Twitter so badly that he is willing to pay the shareholders. Uh, more than what he himself paid per share. Well, I think he kind of has to in oh, order yeah, for them to that's kind of the idea. Take the the offer seriously, basically, uh, and put the board of directors in a situation where if they say no to it, it makes them look bad and might even expose them to legal liability if they don't take this deal. That's my understanding. Sounds like that's the effect it's having. Yeah, that's uh, and I mean he's alluded to like having other options. So uh, there's there's a, a real, plan B. He yeah, said. Yeah. So I mean. Th- it seems to me that among the options that he has is to like bring the board to court to say, "Hey, these people are are failing in their fiduciary responsibility." Like, and that's one of the weird things. Like, people are like, "Oh, the corporations got greedy," you know, implying that they weren't greedy before, but they are now. So, mm. like, they literally are legally obligated to be greedy. Like, they have to make as much money as they can within the law. Or they go to jail. The, to the benefit of the shareholders. Yeah. yeah. The one thing that I do enjoy that uh, Musk has proposed, whether jokingly or not, is the removal of the W. And I don't think we could say the word here on the air because... <laughs> but, but he, Twitter. Yeah, he, he wants to remove the W. And I'm like, all right, yes, let's do that. <laughs> Would that make the individual messages teats? <laughs> Let's go to the phones here. Bad Slave is on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Good, good. I'm on my way here. Give me a sec. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. And uh, I just want to say about Elon and, you know, in comparison with some of the other, uh, you know, notables like uh, Soros and Bezos and the guy from uh, from Google and uh, and of course there's the always Zuckerberg. Uh, all of those people I've observed to be just creepy as all get out, mm-hmm. and and I you know. And I don't sense that about Elon. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, he could be just a great liar or whatever. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think he is actually. And and um, you know, I'm going to go with that. And I'm going to say, you know, I am very much encouraging him to turn. 
Twitter into, uh, you know, a free speech outlet. And, uh, okay. And I, you know, let's do yeah, it. I mean, I appreciate the optimism. I, I hope that this, I hope it works out. Honestly. I mean, I, I, I would like to see what happens. I don't have any expectation and thank you, bad slave for the call. I don't have any expectation that this is going to be any kind of true free speech anything because it's a centralized you know corporation. It's going to have some obedience to the state, et cetera, et cetera. And and also Elon Musk is, I mean, he owns many corporations, so yes. he's familiar with the routine of how to work hand in hand with the government because corporations, of course, are a government creation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he gets uh, welfare payments for some of those government or for yeah, some of those the corporations. majority of his earned quote unquote earned wealth is from the government. So is he really going to want to do something that could risk drawing their ire? Or is Elon Musk already a government puppet? And this is all just BS posture show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the update on uh, TechCrunch.com. This is the latest. So since he's made the offer, did you guys hear about the board's response? They were like, no. Well, so, uh, uh, well, the only things that I had heard about the board is like at one point they were looking at uh, making him a board member and he turned he said it down. No, right. That was earlier um, last week. He had talked to them about uh, the possibility. Of, I had heard. I hadn't seen any direct resource, but like uh, that uh, he'd talked to them about uh, the possibility of bringing Trump back. And they're like hard. No, <laughs> under no circumstances are we letting him back on. <laughs> that'd be, it's like that'd he's be your fun. biggest money maker. Yeah. Oh, Didn't, you're not. And that's the thing. Like, these aren't corporations in the in the classical sense of like just trying to make money mm-hmm. and doing whatever turns a profit. We aren't that lucky. No, these are corporations in the sense of like Stalin level parts of government. This is Pravda. Right? That's what it is. Doesn't Twitter, the, the corporation, have a responsibility to at least ask the shareholders if they would like to consider the offer. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure how all that works. I, me neither. That's why I'm asking. I, I don't, you know, I've obviously, I'm obviously not a corporate owner. I don't know if a, the, uh, yeah, I've never been involved in shareholding activities or whatever. I understand they do have shareholders meetings, but aren't those like once a year or something like that? Those, they're not happening all the time, yeah. right? That's where they. That's where the shareholders would do something like vote for the board members, right? Right. And the idea is the board members then work in. Yeah. Well, even by proxy, I mean, don't they have the responsibility to at least go to the board and go, "Hey, this guy said he'll give us forty-three billion." Yes. Yeah. They. I think they are going to have to get some sort of an answer from that board within a decent amount of time. Now, the board has apparently made some sort of a statement, but it hasn't been a yes or no, as I understand it. TechCrunch says. That the board of directors has announced in a press release that the company is adopting a limited-duration shareholder rights plan, which is called a poison pill in merger and acquisition limbo. While the company doesn't name Elon Musk directly, Twitter is clearly trying to prevent the billionaire from buying the social network. Now, as we mentioned, Musk has purchased out in the marketplace uh, 9.2% of Twitter, and then he came in with an offer of $54.20 per share to buy up the rest of it, with the stock sitting at around 43 and change, I think. Uh, they say here that, uh, this is their opinion, Musk's offer isn't that generous because tr- Twitter's stock has trade higher, traded higher than $60 as of just a few months ago, but it's not there now. 
Uh, and they say here, uh, let's see, quote, I think it's very important for there to be an inclusive arena for free speech. Twitter has become a kind of de facto town square. This is Musk saying this. So it's really important that people have both the reality and the perception. They're able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. So there's your there's your first takeaway that this isn't going to be a true free speech platform. Uh, he says, I don't care about the economics at all, he said, regarding whatever price he has to pay for this. TechCrunch Kyle, uh, Kyle Wiggers broke down how hostile takeovers usually come down. And implementing a poison pill is one way to counter a takeover attempt. The eventual goal of a poison pill is to dilute Musk's ownership stake. Earlier this week, the Wall Street Journal reported Twitter was adopting or weighing adopting the poison pill. Now apparently they have stated that they are. For a limited time, existing uh, Twitter shareholders will be able to purchase additional shares at a discount under certain circumstances. If an entity, person, or group crosses a threshold, in this case, a 15% ownership stake in Twitter, other shareholders can buy more shares. This way, it would stagger plans to buy more than 15% of the company. So we'll talk a little bit more about this poison pill approach. I don't like it. Yeah, and it's something is still not real clear to me about this, and we'll we'll discuss it. And if maybe you know a lot more about how this stuff works, feel free to give us a call. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want here if you want to weigh in on the Twitter poison pill plan. This is something that the board of directors has come out with, presumably in direct response to Elon Musk's offer to buy the entire company and take it private. No longer have it a publicly held. Guy wants to buy their company and they want to poison them? What the heck? Yeah, it sounds pretty hostile, um, but what it actually means, at least according to TechCrunch, who interviewed, uh, I guess, one of their own employees, Kyle Wiggers, explains what uh, the terrible-ass name, right? I was just thinking, I'm like, <laughs> who, who keeps that as their last yeah. name? Uh, he explained how these takeovers happen. Uh, or We come from a proud tradition of wig making. <laughs> I will be. not give it up. They uh, they say that the Twitter is now voting apparently unanimously. The board of directors has voted unanimously to adopt this policy, which allows shareholders to purchase additional shares at a discount if somebody purchases more than 15% stake in Twitter. So this doesn't seem to have any effect on Elon Musk's actual offer, because Elon Musk is saying, I want to buy the entire thing. Here's my offer. Yeah. You guys have to say yes or no. And supposedly, according to what you said... This sounds like a no. It sounds like a no, but it's not an actual official response to his offer yet. This is just them saying, we're going to put this policy into place. Then maybe they'll say no, because they don't want Elon Musk to go out and be able to just buy up stock on the open market. Which, of course, would push the price up uh, more so than... Uh, than he wants to, I But suspect. I imagine, like, he could, right? If he made the right offer to the right people. He could. And he, he could, could acquire. He could probably easily buy, you know, 20 or 30% of it or well, something. Well, my first question is, A, how many people own 15% or more of Twitter? Oh, no one. Elon Musk is the number one individual stockholder in BlackRock, I think, or Vanguard is the, the right, number right. one okay. corporate okay. owner. Mm-hmm. And they only own, like, 10%. So Musk is at nine point something percent, and then the numbers go down from there. So no uh, my second does. question is, why is it fifteen percent instead of you know 
10 or 20 or whatever. I don't know if that's some sort of SEC rule or Probably. if it's one of the Twitter setups rules for their board of directors or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, so what I think would happen at that point is like, so if he gets more than 15%, uh, then he, like the, the price of like the official price, the you know people who don't own Twitter stock price would then jump above fifty four twenty. So then his uh, offer would be you know a a bad a bad choice, right? Uh, whereas in order to get it to that point, they wouldn't have to actually pay the normal price to push up their stock, and in the process, they'd all have a bunch of stock that's worth a lot more. Well, that presumes he's going to go around and try to buy this stuff up on the on the open market. Yeah, what I well, saw, and, and this is the second time that they've tried to uh, limit how much uh, how many shares he has. Because if he's on the board, he's limited to like what was it, fourteen point nine percent. Fourteen. Okay, yeah. so yeah, fourteen point nine. Which is why he said no to joining the board because that's he doesn't want to be on a board and argue with these a holes. He wants to be able to take over the entire thing. And so the speculation that I saw from people who seem like they know a thing or two about how these takeover attempts work is, as you pointed out, Peakless, the board supposedly has a fiduciary duty to their stockholders to do the, you know, something that's going to make them money. Mm -hmm. And obviously, $54.20 isn't going to make money for the people that bought the stock at a peak of $70. But for anybody else that's, you know, bought below $54, it's going to make them something. And so presumably they should say yes to this. Because of their fiduciary duty, but they if they don't, the idea is that will open them up to lawsuits from the shareholders themselves right. who are going to say, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, now you well, are on the hook. From from Elon Musk himself. Like, he's the number one shareholder. Well, that's so true. He he's got standing. He personally, yes, he has standing. Even though this. he's the one making the offer? Right. Well, there there may be others who would join him in that. Wouldn't and, surprise me at all. Like so, if uh, you know, say Peter Thiel, uh, who seems to be like partially uh, uh, psychologically and philosophically aligned to Elon mm-hmm. Musk in in a number of ways. So, like, yeah, you get uh, another large shareholder to 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 bring them to court. And, like, you can bring this up as, like, this is the the incident that, like, sparked me bringing you to court. But then once you're in court, you can bring up, like, hey, these are these are all the people that you kicked off. And here's the traffic that they were driving. Here's the ad revenue that, mm-hmm. that you can derive from the traffic that they were bringing in. You kicked them off. Here's I can demonstrate how we have less traffic and we're getting less ad revenue. So you can like bring up. You're not doing your duty yeah, in I multiple mean, ways. Well, and I mean, it's been years of continuing and increasing censorship. Yeah. And this, this could be the inciting incident that allows them to bring them to court to discuss the years of censorship that that we're all aware of so the further theory is this would open the board up to lawsuits for not doing their fiduciary duty Mm -hmm. okay so they get sued well what happens then stock price starts to tank because now the market knows oh crap these guys are really screwing up screwing the pooch here at twitter sell this thing because it's going it's going bad right like they're going to lose this lawsuit or whatever so the stock price could tank and then what happens 
Elon Musk can come back in with a new lower offer, right? Because if the stock drops I mean, down to 20 mm-hmm. bucks, he comes in with 35 and people are like, all right, fine. That sounds well, like a genius strategy to me. Yeah. Well, And if it tanks enough, there might very well be a point where if he at that point sells all of his shares. Oh, he could that, tank it further. Right. That yeah. it tanks it like. It, he could start it tanking. Yeah. By and and, and that's shares. the thing. Like there's there's only so far that it can go down and mm-hmm. still be a viable company. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, like. There's a lot of people who have borrowed plenty of money to long on on Twitter shares because it's Twitter. Of course, they're going to keep making money. They're like, you know, the most. I don't think they've ever made money. Uh, well, when I you mean, actually look at, uh, from what I've understood about Twitter, they're one of those companies that's still in like the investment phase or whatever. They they still haven't figured out how to actually turn a profit. Well, I mean. When I say make money, I mean in their the share psychotic increases. way of thinking of it. Saying. Yes, yeah. exactly. The, the share, of course, the shares are, are going to go up. So there's plenty of people who have gone long, mm. who have borrowed money to go long on Twitter stocks. But part of those agreements is usually like, okay, but if it hits a certain point, liquidation, you owe me those Twitter stocks, mm-hmm. or, and you get liquidated. Yeah. So mm. like all of those people get liquidated, and then that brings the stock cascades down, down. Wow. and then those people get liquidated. So like mm. it's it's possible that he could completely destroy their company if this goes the wrong and way. And then he snatches it up for <laughs> pennies on the dollar compared to you know re- removes his original offer, uh, starts the process of the the stock tumbling, and then comes in and you know snatches it up for a fraction of the original offer's price. And then he still gets all the benefits of the user base, which is what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. He yeah. wants the the user base for whatever reason, all the data, all the info that like you were talking about the the fact that this is essentially something that could be somehow part laid into an ai about how humans think or who knows what he's got in mind for this thing in the future oh yeah that's that's one of the things like he's a big fan of automation oh yeah think about what happens when a big fan of automation gets a hold of twitter yep it's interesting to watch this oh did you want people to think something and you're how rich how many programmers can you make to make bots that sound human to talk about certain ideas yeah, the the power level that 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 makes possible is absolutely staggering. So the question is, how long does the board have to make this decision? It's a good question. Do they get a week? Do uh, they get two weeks? Is there some sort of specified time in the various different government rules for corporate board offer takeovers? Does or? does Musk's offer in and of itself have an expiration? Could be. Yeah. Good. Good question. Couldn't so that's you. the important. I, that's I, an important. I'd question. say a lot of that. Uh, a lot of that's up to Elon mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and of course, they are able to take another offer. So, like, if somebody, if Musk makes an offer, and then the, I believe the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia or something like that, or one of the princes over there has made a statement that he's against Elon Musk and he wants to save Twitter from Elon Musk. So maybe another offer is incoming from some other big money man. Or there whatever. are people right now, maybe even listening to this show who are deciding who their friends are and aren't based on whether or not they support Elon Musk in this particular mm-hmm. adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sad. It is. Well, you know, something had to replace the Oscar slap. <laughs> well, we got to talk about something what about, otherwise what about the we blue might and talk about, flags? you know, the the utter collapse of, you know, the western economy that's occurring. Aren't the aren't the blue and yellow flags still still the popular thing? Or yeah. Is that like I three things so, yeah. ago? Uh, nope, nope. Long as we're still threatened with the possibility of nuclear war, there's got to be people that are that are proclaiming how in favor of they uh, they are. 
Coming up, we're going to talk about a $450,000 birthday. Captain has a story about that. Uh, Plus, international news. There was an Ethereum programmer who went over to North Korea and gave a presentation. He's now going to prison for five years in the United States. Yep. Because, well, apparently you can't speak to people about technology in North Korea. That's a violation of sanctions. It's so sad. We'll explain it coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is next. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The number you can join us here at 603-283-6160. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. Coming up, uh, apparently it is illegal to even speak in North Korea about technology. One man's going to prison for five years, federal prison here in the United States, simply for speech, because they say that that violated sanctions. We can tell you that story on the way. Plus, a $450,000 birthday for one man. Captain has a story about that on the way, but we're going to your phone calls and thoughts first. We go to Sam calling us from Delaware. He's listening to WDOV. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yes. Um, I am calling because I'm being censored, um, but I've been speaking public out, out, out here in, uh, in Dover uh, about me being uh, framed. My constitutional rights continue to be uh, violent for almost 10 years now and putting gag orders on ACLU and uh, and NWACP to get enough time to contact uh, uh, the Muslim community, and they're using them as informant. Okay, you've already lost me, Sam. You're going to have to start from the beginning here. How are you being censored? What does that have to do with gag orders and the ACLU? What's going on here? Well, the, well, the, well because I had I had a clear-cut case for a lawsuit on all these uh, the false gun charge on my ex. And over 20-something dismissed charges going in and out of court with the video cameras of all the pullovers, 50-something tickets. You're saying you personally were pulled over multiple times. You were uh, yes. falsely charged with some sort of gun-related, yes. quote-unquote, crime? No, not, not not me. My my wife was falsely charged with uh, with a gun, but it was dismissed. It was investigated by Attorney General, okay. and he dismissed it. But I put that along with my case, and they, uh, they broke in my house in 2010-11. Because his name was on that deposition, Attorney General investigator found out it was false. Whose name? Hold so on. I'll put that along with my Who, case. Whose name was on a deposition? Uh, well, it was a detective. 
uh, his name was on that on that on that deposition. And uh, the two rookies that came out there, it wasn't them that did it. Okay, hold on. I'm going to see was, if I'm uh, following you because it's very difficult. Uh, you're saying that you were charged with a bunch of stuff. You brought a case against them, and then they came to your house. Is that right? No, they didn't come. They, they didn't come when I was here. They broke in when I wasn't home, mm-hmm. and they they ransacked my house for those depositions, and they took all my. They took uh, most of my. Uh, my tax documents and my uh, Chase mortgage, my PNC, and that's another story that I want to talk about too. I guess maybe. But this was a decade time. ago. You're saying this happened to you a decade ago? Yes, but it, it's it's still going on. Your it, case was happening. your I'm, case has not been uh, adjudicated. That it hasn't happened yet. No, because they're they're using all my phone call conversations and they're contacting attorneys, uh, and I'm asking them to take my case, and they. They were supposed to be. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you said you filed it. a case. You don't. You've never actually filed the case in court. No, I, I, no. I, I, I can't. I filed it to the NWACP first, and then uh, uh, and then ACLU. So you're trying to get an order. organization to back the case, and you can't find yes. somebody to take the case. To take, so take it, my case, it must they're, feel they're frustrating because I understand how difficult it can be to find an attorney who is willing to actually take on the government, especially if they're doing things like yeah. you know, uh, ransacking somebody's house. The attorneys are probably afraid that their homes are going to be targeted, that their loved ones are going to be targeted. I, I wish I had better news for you, Sam, now, but when but you say you're being censored, how is that happening? I mean, we have you on the air here. Is it local media that's that's censoring uh, you? I, I, it's Yeah, local media is being censored mm-hmm. uh, because what they're doing, they'll contact them and I guess tell us some kind of lies and then they have them come out here and staged. So I guess when they tell them something, when they tell them to do something against uh, uh, me... When who tells who? Staging, You're saying the, the, the police the are telling the, the media the, to do something? Yes, like the WBOC okay. 16, when I had met with them in, in uh, City Hall... And uh, I was supposed to to uh, to meet up with him to give him uh, some copies of uh, and pictures of the fake news because they I've been talking out about um, when these guys get busted with drugs and guns and when they're getting out of federal state pen they're reenacting drug scenes with the detectives but it's all staged it's making them look good yeah so but here's one of the problems that you're going to come up against Sam and and I want to say thank you for the call tonight. Um, it sounds to me, and I'm not an expert or anything, it sounds to me like you might be a little bit paranoid. And so it, uh, or maybe a lot. And so when you come to a news media organization and you can barely put your thoughts together, and maybe there's, maybe all this stuff is true. Yeah. Maybe the cops did uh, break into your house. I don't know how you, you, you can prove that, but, you know, let's just say it happened. Uh, maybe it's all true, and all the whatever it was you're trying to communicate was all true. But there's so much stuff bouncing around in in Sam's head, and he's unable to put it in a understandable, easy to bite off kind of way to where somebody who has no idea the nightmare that he has purportedly been going through, even if you are compassionate and you want to understand. Sam has made it so difficult to understand. I, I wouldn't blame any media person for just saying, well, this guy's crazy. And and not everybody has the ability to, to do those kind of things. Not everybody has the ability to take a whole set of circumstances that are complex mm-hmm. uh, and put it into a succinct you know, delivery that other folks can understand. So if I'm Sam and 
he's, you know, I don't know, listening to the show still. I I don't know, you know, if he's got a job where maybe he can hire somebody to, you know, go over the the things that have happened mm-hmm. to him, put it in a timeline, and then sort of zoom out and bring it together for him with some main points so that when he does discuss this with other people or if he calls other radio shows, that kind of thing, it's a much more succinct conversation. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of what he was saying, and again, it was hard to really get a grasp for much of any of it. That's for sure. But a lot of it did sound uh, like it was paranoid, like that there were claims about what the police were doing with undercover this and that and you know stuff that would be very hard to prove. If it was true to actually prove that that happened, you pr- how do you prove that it was the police that broke into your house, right? Like, do you have video of that? I mean, that kind of thing. Probably like not. Reenacting drug scenes. It's like what? What are you describing yeah, here? That, so, like, uh, now what? What he might be describing might I can't tell is like maybe he's seeing like the same drug bust hap- happen over and over again. Which, yeah, no, that I've I have absolutely seen that. Like uh, these, you know, crackheads like crack that house. I had to, you know, live near, you know, could, mm-hmm. to keep the rent down. Like, yeah, you would see them repeat these behaviors, like at, at an astonishing level, like like movement for movement. Mm-hmm. You'd see repetitions of behavior, and you'd see repetitions of behavior in their interactions with the police. So, like. That might be what he's describing there is like, yeah, there is a repeated pattern that you are seeing here, but you can't convey that idea effectively. So we don't know if that's even what you're talking about. But let's not forget that just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they they're not out to get you. Good luck, Sam, and uh, thanks for the call tonight. It, it reminds me of a guy locally here in uh, the Keene area. Keene, New Hampshire is where we do this show from, the southwestern corner of New Hampshire. He lived in a town uh, maybe about 25 minutes south of here called Winchester, and his name was Gary Chase. Gary Chase was his uh, his name. You can look him up if you go to freekeen.com. Just search for Gary Chase, and you'll find a little bit about this guy. I ran into him once. Uh, I'd heard about him, I think, in the in the news media. Mm-hmm. He really believed, I mean, he sounded kind of similar to Sam. He had some kind of paranoid beliefs that the city of Winchester, uh, the town selectmen or whatever, were reading his emails don't know why they would would want to but then again they really were after him in his case because uh he had a piece of property that the town wanted to take from him that was nearby the main street in the town and they wanted to take his property where he was like storing some junk it's his land he can do whatever he wants with it Uh, but they wanted to take that property and turn it into a parking lot for downtown winchester so they really were after him and the story about winchester is that they really are a you know an untrustworthy bunch because they're government uh, and they are sort of known as one of the, the worst towns as far as corruption is concerned. Well, and it doesn't so, help you keep your thoughts together when there is this organization that's trying to intimidate everyone all of the time. Yeah. Anyway, he met with me once at the Panera Bread here in Keenan. He had like a whole box of evidence and court filings. and all, You know, he had it together for the most part, but it was just so much, so hard to follow. And there's so little I could do about it besides report on it. And uh, he ended up killing himself. Uh, there's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. The phones are open here. You can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you 
by Bitcoin.com. If you're ready to start learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, you can head over to Bitcoin.com and click Get Started right there at the top of the page. And they will give you some introductory videos that will teach you some of the basics about important things like decentralization when it comes to currency. Uh, you can head over to Bitcoin.com and again, click Get Started at the top of the page. You can also get the latest news headlines from Bitcoin.com. Just go to their news site over at news.bitcoin.com. Plus, if you haven't bought any cryptocurrency yet, you can actually buy through Bitcoin.com. Tonight, it's Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. And the captain. To your calls and thoughts, we have a different Sam. This Sam is in Ohio. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. So I'm almost curious, why does the government make some plants illegal, for example, psilocybin mushrooms, but doesn't really care about cannabis? Mushrooms aren't technically a plant. They're a fungi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get I get your point. Uh, why don't Why do they make some things illegal? But well, they certainly cared Shouldn't about nature. Be legal? Yeah, all nature should be legal. But they certainly did care about cannabis in the past, Sam. Oh yeah, uh, they put a lot but of people in prison for at that. At this point, do they really? Hmm. I mean, at this point, do they really still care at all? It depends. If you're in Louisiana, you better believe it. You're going to prison. Uh, If you are in uh, Washington State, however, and you have some number of, uh, you know, quarters of cannabis, you probably are As long as you don't grow too many plants. Well, and and let me just remind all of our listeners that just because you're in a state that may have, say, recreational Mm -hmm. cannabis legalized, it is still illegal at the federal level. So at any time, the federal government can be like, hey, uh, we're going to raid you because we think you got some plants. Yeah, they could do that. That's totally possible. because And and the state could raid you as well if you have plants without asking permission. Right. Well, and one of the reasons... But how many times has the feds raided people for having plants even though the state said you could? I don't know. I think the feds have done uh, pretty much hands-off with the states that have legalized cannabis for the most part. Because uh, they don't want to get into that situation, but it is still illegal at the federal level. If you're at a federal park, for instance, or on any kind of federal property and they catch you with cannabis, they absolutely uh, will charge you for possession of, of that cannabis. Yeah, you yeah, go that- to visit your brother who's in the military, you know, on site and you forget that you've got a roach in your pocket or something. You know, bad things can happen to you. Yeah, the biggest thing that I know that they actually enforce about the federal illegality is uh, just like that's why it's really hard, if not impossible, to bank if you're a, a dispensary. Yep. And let's not forget about the people who are still in prison for marijuana, yeah. even in sure. the states where it's legalized. Now, as for why do they keep the uh, why do they keep mushrooms illegal? Well, I think part of the reason is that they're making an extraordinary amount of money off of the pharmaceuticals that people purchase uh, through mostly through their uh, through their insurance companies for uh, all of the mental disabilities, anxiety, depression, that sort of thing. So, I mean, if you could say, for example, microdose on psilocybin and treat your actual mental problems so that you don't live an anxious life, so that you don't live depressed, then you would stop relying on these petrochemicals and that would stop the money flowing to uh, Big Pharma, which are their major donors in political campaigns. So it's almost like the competition type argument that I've heard you guys talk about before. Yeah, well, that is actually one of the reasons why marijuana was opposed for so long as well. Um, although we're seeing some really amazing studies being done on psilocybin showing oh, yeah. that people can really 
do things like not just treat but cure things like PTSD and depression with the use of uh, psilocybin mushrooms, more so than cannabis might be able to help them with those those problems. So certainly the pharmaceutical industry has an, uh, a real incentive to crack down and to continue to have the government cracking down on these things. But yeah, that said, we are seeing some some breaks in the, the prohibition. We are seeing some, uh, some cities like Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, Oakland, California. There's even a couple of Massachusetts it, cities. Uh, Portland? Oregon didn't I think Oregon all of Oregon legalize actually, yeah. the, the whole everything. Basically? All of Oregon, I believe, has mushrooms for um, for medicinal purposes, and they have decriminalization of all drugs. Yeah, for yeah personal but, amounts. I mean, what really all of this illustrates? I mean, people people do not have a problem with cannabis. We don't yes. care. Yeah. We, it doesn't bother us. Like a lot of, uh, in general, it doesn't bother people. And the people that think about it at all are incredibly in favor of it. But what this shows you is that they do not answer to us. They're making money off of these things being illegal. And no matter how much we want them to be legal because we accept them in our culture, they're not going to answer to us. Yeah, it's a myth. We Of the people, for the people, by the people, it's a myth. Sam, anything isn't else you want to share? Almost, isn't it almost like by the bankers for the bankers? Yeah, I mean, for the most part. But I mean, the pharmaceutical industry certainly is influential, uh, as well as the military-industrial complex. There's there's mm-hmm. a few different complexes out well, there that and, the government loves. And I mean, it's it's almost impossible to extract these. So, like, uh, you might not think that, say, uh, the military-industrial complex has anything to do with big pharma, but the fact of the matter is that they are both. They're both oil companies. Mm-hmm. Petrochemicals are used to create pharmaceuticals. Petrochemicals are also used to uh, run all of the the machines of death that we send to the various parts of oh. the world to murder people. So, and and of course, banking is behind all of it. Like they they have their hands in every part of those processes. Sam, anything else? Uh, just the concept of. How long is it going to be before we see secession somewhere? Great question. Thank you, Sam, for the call tonight. I hope sooner rather than later. And hopefully here. And it's important to remember that you can secede in your own life right now. Just start offering whatever you can do for cryptocurrency. Yeah. Like, I mean, the banks are are a part of every transaction. Every transaction requires money. So if you use different money... If you stop using their money, then they lose the power that they have on the half of every single one of these transactions. Well, at least you would be seceding from the banks. Yeah. In that case. Well, uh, and, and that's the thing. It's one of those it's one of those powerful cumulative effects. They have this power because we give it to them. The way that we give it to them is not through our voting, it's through our dollaring. We we only accept and we only give dollars for goods and services. Yeah, one of the things I love about being here and amongst a community of freedom-loving people is that we have choice in in the currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, yeah. a week ago I talked about I bought a, uh, a raffle ticket for gold backs, right? And the raffle, yeah, of yeah. course, was for a gun, but the money is going to build a school playground. Right, things that can only happen here in New Hampshire, as near as I can tell. So having having a choice which financial instrument of exchange you would like to use uh, is tantamount to living a free life, in my opinion. Yeah, and and being physically and geographically nearby other people of a like mindset yeah. in that way is so important. I mean, it's one thing to say, "All right, I'm disconnecting from the banks," 
And then you look around you and you don't have anyone with whom you can actually meaningfully use gold backs or cryptocurrency. That was me in Seattle. There was literally nobody I could I could do any sort of exchange with. Yeah, we went into a local seafood restaurant that's brand new here in, in town a couple nights ago, and uh, the owner, we happen to know him, he came out and talked to, talked with us for like 45 minutes. It was like, there wasn't much of a crowd there, yeah. and I brought out the, uh, the gold back to show him. He's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. My bartenders have been receiving them in tips. Nice. We figured out that you've been coming to the uh, the bar, Captain, so yeah, and, <laughs> they uh, already knew. They More could, coming uh, up. It's Free Talk Live. Insight Daily Radio. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture since the 1970s. With more than 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program, and he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the creative journey that continues to bring Lake Wobegon to life. The process of writing a book changed over time, you start out being ambitious to write a book, but after you've written a number of them, the ambition dissipates and you wait for a moment of certitude, something that you can count on. You don't want to waste time going down a dead-end road. So you want to find something that you can put your weight on before you commit to it. And, um, and that's the best way. That's the best way. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, has just been released and is now available wherever books are sold. are open here. You can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Speakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. You can bring up whatever you want. Uh, we actually had Sam call in from Ohio and brought up some questions about psilocybin, the psychedelic mushroom, basically. Uh, it's the active chemical in psychedelic mushrooms. Also, uh, cannabis, generally asking about kind of drug prohibition. And he reminded me that I do have a story about psilocybin mushrooms I've been kind of hanging on to here for the right time. Uh, coming up, though, we are going to get into a $450,000 birthday, plus the latest on weapons apparently being delivered to the Ukraine. Uh, I know that Peakless Mountaineer has some comments on that. Of course, phones, again, are open at 603-283-6160. Is your story about Shrinibus? No. Oh, okay. Is, no, is I did that? see that one. Yeah, I brought it in for show prep, but I don't think we ever talked about it. I don't know if I still have it. I'll, is that like a combo between cannabis and shrooms? It is, in fact. Is it, they just like chop it up and mix it together? Wait or is it actual like growing thing because i how have to could, look it up to remember yeah now i'm now i'm <laughs> curious about that but first we'll go to sarah in new mexico sarah you're on free talk live go ahead sarah going once 
Sarah in New Mexico, going twice. All right, well, I'm sure she'll call back if she does that. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Uh, the title here at Politico, How Magic Mushrooms Could Follow in the Footsteps of Cannabis, and arguably already are. Uh, they point out a growing number of states are considering bills to expand research or access to the drugs. Turns out marijuana really is a gateway drug for America's state houses anyway. A movement to decriminalize or legalize psychedelic substances such as magic mushrooms is being driven by the same playbook that helped Americans not only destigmatize but politically embrace cannabis over the past decade. And it's more like the past four decades, but who's counting? Uh, and much like the changing attitudes towards marijuana use, nation research and personal stories, particularly from military veterans, are convincing some lawmakers to rethink longstanding prohibitions on these drugs. So one thing I wanted to point out about uh, about all of this. So like uh, during this whole covid crisis thing, one of the big things that we saw is like we had these effective treatments. OK, like not for, effective for everybody, but like there's plenty of research behind them. Safe treatments that aren't going to harm people. You're and, about like ivermectin. Yeah, or? exactly. Ivermectin, uh, 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 hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. like uh, ivermectin, especially like it's really, really safe. Like even if it doesn't help you, it's not going to do you any harm. OK, so well, like we have these safe, like actual safe actual mostly effective yeah Uh, and those get pushed aside because those there's no patent on those and there's no money there right there's no money to be made for the pharmaceutical companies for those and that is a big part of why these are kept illegal Mm -hmm. is because you can't patent these things Mm. like this is something that already exists in nature that we've found that you you actually have a more effective uh, uh, process when you take the whole plant itself instead of just the active ingredient. Like uh, the the effects of just the active ingredient can be unpredictable and less effective. So like the entire plant itself, you're not you're making zero profit off of this uh, in terms of the uh, intellectual property, mm-hmm. uh, the you know copywriting and all of that, or not copywriting, I, but like I know that decriminalized nature opposes patenting. I, I feel like there are people trying to patent these things. Now, I don't know how successful they've been about it. I've not done the research to to learn those stories, but mm-hmm. the fact that they are actively opposing those sorts of measures makes me believe that. There's a reason for them opposing it, Mm. that there's probably some big companies out there trying to get their hands on uh, psilocybin mushrooms and somehow lock other people out from them. Well, and that's the thing. Like, they're not going to invent a form of psilocybin that is more effective in terms of health than, than the existing psilocybin. They can make one that is less effective, that they can charge you more. But no one's going to buy that. Captain, you found something about this canna, whatever what, yeah, what was it called? I, I call it shroonibus. Shroonibus. Because it's cannabis, mushroom, mm-hmm. you know, combination. It's a portmanteau, and I'm yep. a big fan of portmanteau. The headline here, uh, it's from uh, Free Thought Project. Researchers discover cannabis mushroom combination that kills over 90% of colon cancer cells. Wow. So uh, the long and the short of it is... Uh, Though breast cancer is more diagnosed in the United States, colorectal cancer kills far more people, coming in Hmm. as the second most deadly cancer in the world, just under lung cancer. For the last several years, scientists with Cannabitech, a biomedical company developing oncological products using cannabis, have been developing an integrative colon product they say kills over 90% of colon cancer cells. And might get you high at the same time. Uh, I mean... 
Uh, what was something of a taboo, a taboo issue a half a decade ago is now the subject of bills from both Republicans and Democrats in more than a dozen states. New Hampshire is one of them, by the way. Mm-hmm. They range from proposals to study the medical benefits of psychedelics to bills that would allow adults to consume those drugs under supervision. And in fact, the one in New Hampshire, which sadly I believe was quote unquote placed on the table, which basically means it's going to die. We'll table that till later. On the table, because they never, almost never we'll take things. circle back. Yeah, almost never do they take things off the table. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but that said, that bill, if I recall correctly, would have essentially decriminalized. So it wouldn't be, oh, you have to be supervised, like they're doing in some places. It would simply be, okay, we're going to treat uh, psychedelic mushrooms the same as cannabis, which would mean that there would be an, an amount of them that you could have, and that if you were caught for having them, and I believe it was up to 12 grams, which is a fair amount, uh, 12 grams of these things, if you were caught for it, it'd be a $100 fine. And that'd be it. End of story. Um, and then I think they might have allowed for some edibles, but I'm not sh- I'm not sure all the details yeah, in the bill. I, I mean, that's an improvement, of course, but any it's fine, huge improvement. any fine for holding on to something that occurs naturally. It's horrible. I get you, Captain, but it's way better than a felony charge. I'm, I right? said it was an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually spoke at the this bill in front of the, uh, the State House committee that heard it, the Criminal Justice Committee. Bonnie uh, spoke on this as well. Right, and because of her, she, what's it called? She's Matt? involved with Decriminalized, Decriminalized Nature, Nature. Yes, which is a, a good organization that actually argues for a lot of this kind of stuff, although they do not want to see regulations they don't want to see government taxing these things they don't want to see ownership of mushrooms per se as far as patenting or anything like that so i really really like what i hear from the folks over uh, at decriminalized nature but one of the points i made to the the committee and i guess it fell on deaf ears because they mostly voted against the the bill (laughs) Uh, but the point i made to the committee was hey you guys need to catch up to the new hampshire supreme court in december of 20 20, I believe it was, the New Hampshire Supreme Court ruled in a case where a man had been caught for growing mushrooms mm. and charged with whatever felony count of manufacture or possession. Maybe it wasn't growing. Maybe he just had them. But anyway, felony count of mushroom possession and uh, convicted, of course, at the, the lower court, went to sent to prison and he appealed. And the New Hampshire Supreme Court ruled unanimously that that case needed to be overturned and they set that man free. And the reason why was because he said he was using the mushrooms for spiritual purposes. Mm-hmm. And in New Hampshire, unlike the United States Constitution, which only protects your right to a religion, the New Hampshire Constitution protects your right to worship in the way that you choose. Right. So that's a much larger set of protections for religious freedom than you would get under just the U.S. Constitution. And so the argument was... He's using this for a religious purpose. This is a spiritual um, exercise for him. Therefore, this is not illegal, even though the law says he's not allowed to have this stuff. Case dis- case overturned. Yeah. Well, and one thing that you will find literally universally through all religions whatsoever is their reference to visions. Mm-hmm. You will have visions, dreams, prophecies. These are altered states that people enter into. And from these altered states is where they receive these divine inspirations. Those divine inspirations are then written down by other people. And then behaviors are codified from the divine inspirations that they write down. But it starts from having these experiences. And many people argue that... That it was actually mushrooms that many of those visionaries were using way back in the day. And without a doubt, that is one path to it. 
Well, because it's also the easiest path, right? Like you just pluck them out of some cow dung or whatever and eat them and you're good to go uh, if you know the right ones, right? Yeah. Like kids, don't try this at home. If you get the wrong mushrooms, you could die. Uh, but that, you know, you, didn't, you don't have to like cook up some sort of drug. It's just right there. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. are open. You can join us here. What do you want to talk about? Psilocybin mushrooms, mainstream media controlling how people think. Elon Musk and Twitter. These are some of the things we've discussed here so far tonight. With you, it's Ian. Bigless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. You can join us online as well over at freetalklive.com. I have a question. Yes. People who are fans of Elon Musk, are they called musketeers? That's <laughs> <laughs> good one. Uh, we're going to continue here. Again, the number is 603-283-6160. And I do want to let you know about our Odyssey channel. You can go and watch Free Talk Live as it happens live. We stream live on Odyssey every single night. Or you can watch later on with archives that go back for years. Just go to video.freetalklive.com and you can subscribe to our channel there. That's video.freetalklive.com to Major Payne in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live Major. Hey, good evening, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? I remember uh, back in the 70s, one of the tobacco companies trademarked the name Acapulco Gold. Mm. I know they can't trademark the product, but they did try to trademark the name. Is that actually um, true, or is that just... I've heard that story, too, and I just had, I don't know. I would be surprised it, if they tried, but I would be surprised if it succeeded. It, it could just be one of those crazy social rumors. Who yeah. knows? Um. But uh, anyway, you guys were talking about the medical and the uh, religious twist on all this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wondering if they made any headway on uh, peyote, being as how there's a whole tribe of the Apaches named after the Mescalero Apache. Well, I think that that same argument would probably work in New Hampshire, where, again, the uh, Supreme Court of New Hampshire voted unanimously to overturn a man's conviction who was a member of the Oklavoya Native American Church that believes in the use of psychedelics for visionary spiritual experiences. And so if you could make the same claim about peyote, which I think would be relatively simple to do, I would predict you'd also have similar success. You just have to well, be willing to get arrested first and you know go to jail for well, a while. Well, I do know for a fact that in uh, Colorado and Washington at least, and I assume other places, I know for a fact that there are multiple uh, churches that still take peyote as a sacrament. Mm. So and that, they're being left alone? Yeah, and they are being left alone. Good so. to know. They are legally operating. They uh, do take that as a sacrament, and uh, yeah, it's all above board. So... Hey, uh, Major, do you remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Yes, sir. I saw an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies the other day on some random uh, website that kind of shows old shows or whatever. And one of the episodes that they show, they literally had a commercial for, I want to say, Winston Cigarettes in the show. That is the characters of the show were in mid-show and they just sort of stopped and started talking about, hey, let's have a cigarette. Mm, My favorite is a Winston. (laughs) And just like in the middle of the show and then like they had their cigarette and then kind of went back into the show. It happened in the middle of the show and then a little picture of like Winston cigarettes like appeared in the scene with them. It was, I was like, I don't remember this ever happening. 
Yeah, I, I've watched many of episodes of the Beverly Hillbillies. I grew up on that kind of stuff. And the only thing smoking I ever remember going on was Granny and her corncob pipe. <laughs> Thanks, Major, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, Politico.com reporting on the, the change in tone from a lot of politics when it comes to psilocybin mushrooms. One politician, Democratic Washington State Senator, said, quote, It's gone viral and sparked an interest nationwide. He says, I just didn't know there were so many like-minded people on this. And it's true. When you finally do bring this out and the word gets around, it's amazing the amount of folks who step up and say that they've had their lives positively affected by psilocybin mushrooms. And, And they touched on it in the very beginning of this story, is if you can get a veteran to come in front of any city council anywhere, that person is unassailable. Because no one in politics can be seen as being against the veterans, right? So if a veteran, you drag a veteran in front of city council and he yeah. says, uh, yeah, it helped me get rid of my PTSD and like goes off and tells his story about why psilocybin should be, be legal, uh, it, it's hard. It, those politicians are hard pressed to say no. And that's why we've seen unanimous decisions out of Almost every council that has has looked at psilocybin mushrooms in some sort of decriminalization measure, again, uh, whether it be Oakland or uh, cities in Massachusetts, I believe Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, is one of them. And just to touch on the the sort of medical way that this works, so there's there's multiple layers and levels of learning in people's nervous system. So, like, the very simplest is just, like, uh, operant conditioning, like, you know, re- Bell rings, you expect food kind of stuff. And it goes deeper and deeper from that. Now, really, really traumatizing experiences or early formative experiences will both get you in very, very deep levels of your nervous system. So, like, your first experience with sexuality can cause a, a, a basically permanent change that is mm. almost impossible through any amount of, like, talk therapy to really get at in a, in a fundamental way. And in the same way, like, uh, your first experience in combat can really really like put a very deep change in your nervous system like the level at which you learn this is a very deep and inaccessible level of your nervous system now when you use uh when you use uh, uh, uh entheogens or uh you know uh whatever you want psychedelics basically mm-hmm. uh that is is one of the ways that you can start to access these very very deep levels of uh, of like imprinting is what they call it uh, these and imprinted, yes these yeah. imprinted levels of learning and start to address the the information and the like basis of your way of categorizing information on that level that is almost impossible to get to in any other way and it, the yep. and when you don't have access to these ways of digging deep down into that uh really most of what you can do is just try to mask the symptoms which is of course what the uh the pharmaceutical industrial complex is all about Mm -hmm. they're not about solving the root of the issue they're about getting you on their pill for the rest of your life yeah and i mean we it's a fairly well-known on some level problem that like we have all of these human beings that we took all of this time to turn them into killers which is not easy to do because mm. human beings in general basically don't like killing each other. Yeah. We're, it's just not how we're built. We don't like it. But you can turn a human being into a killer. 
and we take zero time turning them from a killer back into a human being, which is a far more difficult process. So you have all of these people who have been broken and like by the, the belief system of most people, they've been broken in service of your defense. It's about the incentives, right? They, there's no incentive to turn these people back into human beings after they turn them into killing machines. There's right. no incentive for the pharmaceutical uh, companies to to cure you because all of the incentive is in creating a lifetime customer. Exactly. Yep. And so until the incentives change, and most of these incentives are of a direct result of statism, Right. Until yep. the incentives change, ain't nothing going to change. You know, science isn't going to be about finding the cure to a thing. Well, it, and and a big part of that comes down to like it is localized versus generalized incentives. Like I have an incentive for these people to become sane, healthy, happy members of yes. society. It would definitely benefit me. A little bit. Sure, you don't want to live around insane people. Right. It's dangerous. Right. It would uh, the the cost is generalized to the public. Mm-hmm. And the general public would love for these people to be sane and safe and healthy and happy and productive. I mean, even just on a, a, a selfish level, like the amount of productivity that they could bring to my economy and environment would help me. But that that benefit is generalized, whereas the benefit of of turning them into killing machines is localized. Yeah. This politician, this oil company, the benefit of keeping them unhealthy is also localized. So we've seen progress certainly on local levels. It's usually city councils that are the ones that are doing these uh, psilocybin decriminalizations although again you do uh, we did see something in oregon at the state level and people voted for that and it did pass but uh at the federal level of course there's very little going on as far as changes are concerned uh, whether it be with congress or the executive branch as politico points out like marijuana most psychedelics including psilocybin lsd and mdma are classified as schedule one narcotics which means they're deemed to be highly addictive and have no medical applications neither of which is true by the way of psilocybin right. mushrooms right yeah there's no addictive capability for these things whatsoever you don't have to take more they don't have a tolerance effect so if you take mushrooms one night and then you take them another night you don't have to double your dose or whatever to get the same kind of an effect uh so you don't see the same kinds of uh, addictions that that grow with mushroom use he says uh, here that there are some signs of growing interest, however. In January, the National Institute on Drug Abuse hosted a workshop on psychedelics as therapeutics. And last year, they awarded a $4 million grant to explore the impact of psilocybin on tobacco addiction. Which is another thing that uh, our, our co-host Nobody used to talk about, helping people get off of nicotine yeah. or alcohol through the use of psychedelics. is something that uh, he did with his, with his church, the Church of the Invisible Hand. I believe that you are a part of that church. Uh, Still Pope, Bible. actually. Yeah, so there's more coming up here. Uh, you can share your thoughts. Hour number three is on the way, whether it's on psychedelics or whatever's on your mind. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Kicking off third hour here. You can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio, you've got Ian. Big Liz Mountaineer. And the captain. Phones are open as always. You can bring up anything. Uh, coming up here, 
heavier weapons being delivered by the United States to Ukraine. I know Peakless Mountaineer wanted to comment on that. Uh, also, $450,000 birthday, Captain. We'll get that story on the way. Also, we're going to your phone calls and thoughts. And uh, first up, I want to go to Stephen in Washington State. He's uh, listening there in Spokane. And Stephen, you are calling to correct me on a pretty big mistake I made, uh, apparently, talking about psilocybin. Go ahead. It's not necessarily a mistake. I'm not saying you were wrong. The tolerance, however, you can't you know, take psilocybin in one sitting and then go and take some more later on that day and get the same effect. It doesn't work that way as a lot of pharmaceuticals do. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a disabled vet, and me and a bunch of my veteran brothers, we tend to have what we call the tea party or, you know, a great reset because we're resetting our minds and getting all that straightened out. Nice. And it also has great, great benefits, you know, as far as dealing with PTSD. Um, it, it's, it's a great fungus. And it has helped me immensely with dealing with the stuff that I dealt with, you know, being in Iraq in 2003 during the invasion and then going back in another year after that. So it, wow. it definitely has its medicinal benefits. And as far as Russia and Ukraine, I really think this is stupid what the, the West is doing. And Putin is just being what or doing what kings and queens have done in the past and retaking their land. I'm not saying Putin's right. But I think what we're doing getting into this is a big mistake. Words of wisdom. Yeah, that's that's Y'all the thing. Y'all have a that, good day, brother. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. That's the thing that almost no one ever seems to be bringing up is the, um, hey, guys, we might literally kill our species. Just, yeah. just might. I mean, let's let's say that it's a 1% chance. Not worth taking. That's too much. Yeah. Like, yeah. At what what are we gaining? What are we gaining from this? Ukraine, who speak a similar language, have a similar culture, mm-hmm. might become part of, like, worst case scenario, they become part of Russia. Now, I mean, it sounds like Russia is saying, like, this part, who are predominantly Russian speakers, yep. who have already voted to become part of Russia, they're the ones we want to be part of Russia. Now, I don't think anyone should be part of Russia. I think it's a terrible idea. Sure. But... If that's I'm, what they want. I am not. I mean, number one, if it's what they want. Number two, I I'm not going to risk the end of life on Earth as we know it to stop country A from enveloping country B. Like yeah. let let me let me be real specific about this. Like if a country was going to somehow be in a position to take over the United States, let's say it was North Korea. We know they're evil. Okay, let's say. Magic wand. North Korea has this weird position where they are about to take over the United States, and we could definitely stop them. But there's a one percent chance that it will, you know, end human life on Earth. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm gonna learn Korean. <laughs> like, is that bad? Yes, it's awful. It's a nightmare scenario. Well, it's also is a, it, a what if, a silly yeah, what if scenario. I but mean, you're you're touching on something important. We've got I guns think. here. Obviously, that's not yeah, yeah, happen. absolutely. But like, the point is, like, even like this directly affecting me, obviously evil. Th- don't kill the species, man. You're touching on something very important and uh, a point that I actually wanted to make about the psilocybin and mushrooms and, mm-hmm. and drugs is humanity as a species all around planet Earth anyway, 
has a problem that statism causes, and that is a reduction in the speed of learning, right? Mm. Uh, we've seen specifically with drugs uh, that it takes generations for action to actually occur. Uh, what kind of uh, anecdotal evidence can I offer? Uh, marijuana was illegal when I was growing up, sure. and all of the talk around people who supported it was, well, we hope one day it'll be legal somewhere and somehow and in some way. And it took, uh, I don't know, I'm going to be 50 here pretty decades. quick. So, it took decades. You know, 40 years or yeah, something. And it was I had to move in- to one of the like two first states yeah. that made it legal recreationally. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime. True. Right, so I was happy that it happened, but now I'm I'm seeing just how slow it is for something like this, something that everybody knows, marijuana isn't harmful. It's not an arc, you know. If any, it's you can't overdose on it, right? All that kind of thing. Everybody knows this stuff, but it's taking so long for. Oh, yeah the state to get out of the way that it's generations it's not until the next generation or two gets elected into you know your representatives or whatever before they go yeah you know i, I remember grandpa he didn't like it, but you know it's cool now so we'll just go ahead and make it legal even though we're still going to make a bunch of other stuff illegal no it's frustrating it takes generations for the change to occur yeah the fully believed arguments against this stuff were put in black and white Long like time ago, black and white television is when, like, the, when adults believed the arguments for this stuff. We we haven't believed it since. Well, interestingly, uh, Politico, jumping past, they give some examples of some of the legislation that's being proposed by again both Republicans and Democrats in different states, and they point out that there's actually very little organized opposition to the proposals so far. The only people who testified against one representative's bill did so because they felt his proposal didn't go far enough. Not a single public commenter registered any public health concerns, while a litany of medical professionals and researchers talked up the scientific promise of therapeutic psychedelics. Yeah, anybody who can do a search online can go look up the facts and figures and the number of deaths yep. and the number of crime, all that, all the statistics you want. You can go and research about psilocybin, about marijuana, about any drug you want, and you can go find out everything you need to know and form an opinion about it. The overwhelming amount of people who do that go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. It, it It's fine. The only guy who spoke against the decriminalization bill here in New Hampshire was from the state police. Surprise. Yeah. Of course, they want to keep their power. Uh, existing research shows these drugs are quite safe in certain respects. The risk of fatal overdose or addiction is very small compared to other substances such as heroin or even alcohol. But just like cannabis, psychedelic substances aren't harmless. There are stories, though very few, of people becoming dependent or even dying after consuming these substances. But again, uh, there you're really talking about no more than a handful. There's you basically cannot die. I mean, if you jump off a building or something like that, you might. But from actually taking mushrooms, you cannot have like an actual death from an overdose, as I understand it. They're considered the safest. If you look at the uh, Professor David Nutt with two T's, he's was the original drug czar uh, originally like know, 15 years ago in the UK. He, I believe, quit his job and turned to the side of good and did a lot of research and published this list of all of the drugs out there, basically, that people use. And 
psychedelic mushrooms were at the bottom of the list as far as danger to the user and danger to society lower than cannabis yeah yeah one of the things that uh, that you kind of brought up here that that i think is important about like how the state keeps us from adapting to our information and one of the specifics of this where it's like the state making the state worse so you had uh, world war ii caused the baby boom and like we shouldn't have been in world war one and that's why we had to go to world war ii because it was really part two of world war one yeah but okay so now we have a baby boom so now you have this massive bulge of population that has everything catered to them so the voters never give up power the politicians never give up power so none of them ever handed the reins over to generation x so generation mm-hmm. x was publicly schooled was sat down in front of the television had uh, were not taught to like will enough to grab those reins of power away from the baby boomers and that's a big part of why this power never shifted so that we could actually adapt to the fact that we know that this isn't harmful right and to contrast that with an individual making their own choices right right it would just going online and researching it would be enough you've made your decision and now you have a stance on it and that's just how you are and everybody is capable of doing that and that speeds up human progress if you want to join the show you can hear the number 603-283-6160 you can weigh in this discussion or whatever is on your mind 603-283-6160 live saturday edition of free talk live you can join us on the radio It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open here live Saturday show. You can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there. We do have our social media site, and it is uh, like Twitter, but better because we don't have an evil mega corporation behind the site. And no uh, annoying advertisements to get in your way. Just go to social.freetalklive.com. You can interact there. Uh, Ian Peakless Mountaineer and the captain in the studio. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. First up, it's Stephen in North Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Stephen. Hey, guys. Um, I am a little concerned, and I would like to know what y'all would do when you're in this position. So... There's a sheriff here named Gary Sisk, and Gary has done two very dangerous things, in my opinion. One, he has said that his interpretation of the law is the ultimate interpretation, Hmm. and he said this in regards to CBD and Delta-8. So Delta-8, there is a ruling. CBD, there is a ruling. Um, These are chemicals in regards to uh, cannabis that in many places are legal alternatives. Uh, They're related. They are from extracted from the hemp plant, for instance. And Delta-8 can can get you high. And CBD can help with pain for people and various other uh, maladies. So his ruling is what? His ruling is that he's sheriff, and if he doesn't want you to have it, he's sending you a letter, and on April 30th, if it's not gone, they're coming. Wow. Now, is it illegal um, by the state of Georgia? No. The state of Georgia, so CBD came out, and people were kind of selling it. 
So state of Georgia said, hey, our official opinion on it is it's fine. Delta 8 came out and some stuff was going on. Some people went to jail and mm. the state of Georgia essentially said, hey, this is fine, but we're going to handle this just like we would a DUI uh, traffic stop. So don't be under the influence of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And if it trips, a, if it trips a, your analysis, you're on your own as far as like probation and stuff. Mm. So I stay away from it because I'm on probation. Yeah. Yeah, but my understanding not, is uh, Delta 8 will absolutely test. You know, like if you're doing a drug test, it's going to show up as cannabis. Yeah. So you can't use yeah. it. Yeah. Some people say it does. Some people say it doesn't. Fact of the matter is I don't want to take that risk with right. such a low probation. Yeah, the good um, news is that like a lot of employers now, when you do the whiz quiz, like they're not even checking for marijuana unless they're looking for the discount on their insurance. Well, you're talking about employers. He's employers. talking about probation. Right. They're going to put you in prison. They are going to put that. you in prison. That's true. Right, and and they're not going to care about whether it was nope. Delta 8 or, or the real stuff. They sure aren't. All right. So this this sheriff is say, basically saying he's going to interpret the law however he wants to. And even though you're saying it's not prohibited, he's just going to go ahead and say that it is. And basically, he's he's figuring that no one who he arrests is going to have the wherewithal, uh, the legal ability, the legal connections to actually be able to challenge this. Well, and, and he's probably even, right. And, and even if you do, like, let's let's assume that uh, okay, he he enforces what is not the law on someone, and they actually manage to bring him to court mm-hmm. and win. Which I mean, law enforcement doesn't like to like they they don't like to go after law enforcement in court. No. That's just always true. And like, let's assume that they manage the you know the resources, time, money, whatever to do this. Okay, well, in the process, you've already been punished. Sure, you already went so, to jail. Like, you already went to jail. You already had to invest your time, your energy, your motivation to get this done. You're not going to get a recompense for the fact that you are bringing him to justice. No, no. Like so, I mean, the, the he has process, nothing to lose. The process is the punishment, and. Most people are not going to go through that process. So, like, he's he's risking basically nothing. Right. Uh, thanks for the call tonight, Stephen. Let us know if this develops well, over time. Let's go to Richard. I, uh, well, I mean, just one last note on yeah. that. Like, I will say this much. He is being very honest about what government is. No doubt. Let's go to Richard in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live, Richard. Yes. We have had on the news lately about the crackdown on the the number of traffic citations in the last month has been getting out for speeders. Richard, do me a favor, man. Back off your phone a couple inches. It's just a little bit too loud. Okay, sorry about that. That's better. Thank you. Yeah, I get loud when I get excited. Okay. so what about anyway, what now? What happened? Okay, in the last couple of weeks, they've had it on the local news that uh, there's been a large amount of speeding tickets has been issued because of the kind of speeding vans that's been put in different roads uh, where there was a speeding problem and. I'd like to take quite a bit of credit for that. I had two articles published in the in the Albuquerque Journal newspaper 
One of my articles was about November 6th of 2020. The other was June 30th of last And what was the point of the article? Um, To bring back the speeding cameras and red light cameras. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. You know, speeders never, uh, they don't hurt anybody. Everybody does it. So it's just a straight up revenue generation for the state. By definition. I mean, if these people were driving recklessly, we have a charge for that. That's true. So, I mean, they're obviously not being reckless drivers. They're just driving above the speed limit that they say this is my arbitrary point past which i will charge you money yeah there is i don't think there's anybody uh, there's probably a handful of people but the speed limit is basically a suggestion even when it comes to police uh, i might, don't follow it no they don't follow it but also too uh, i've never been pulled over for less than i don't know 10 over it's pretty rare that you somebody know will do that like I'm, I'm a chronic five over guy if it mm-hmm. says 25 i'm doing 30 Right, you know, thereabouts anyway, yep. and nothing. I've driven right past police who are on their speed trap and like pff, nothing because yep. they're not gonna, they're not gonna get. It's not, not as much revenue there. there. There's not as much revenue. Yeah, two points uh, on, on the ticket. They usually have like a different section for if it was one to four miles over the over or five to ten or what have yes, you. Yes, that's right. right. And different fines. Yeah, and and I've read that the average speed that people drive is seven to nine miles over the speed limit. So no one drives the speed limit, and it's just there to harass people, to put some of the people in jail. Now that I've stopped you, I can search your car because I say so, and to largely generate revenue. That's all it is. And so anybody that's encouraging that, you're not actually making the roads any safer. You're just making yourself feel good. That's about it. You pat yourself on the back. Whoopie-doo. Your neighbors are now poorer. So I could just hear people go, you guys don't want any speed limit? Well, I mean, no. But like, what does... What does that look like in a non-government world? Right? Well, a neighborhood that's got lots of families. What? Well, perhaps there are signs that suggest mm-hmm. you only go this fast. Rather than something that says you can't otherwise armed people will it cost you. Of course, most of the time those armed people are not around, uh, number one. You know, there are other ways to when deal with When they got quota to make. Yeah, there are other ways to deal with that for neighborhoods. They can put in speed tables or whatever. We're coming up here. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. You just have to dial in at 603-283-6160. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind at 603-283-6160. 6160 here tonight it's ian bigless mountaineer and the captain and you can join us online anytime you want just go to freetalklive.com we'll look forward to seeing you at fork fest it is the sixth annual fork fest coming up in just a couple months looking forward from now uh it starts the week after the porcupine freedom festival so fork fest this year is june 27th through july 3rd same place as always rogers campground the beautiful white mountains of new hampshire there are no tickets for fork fest if you're going to go to the porcupine freedom festival you got to get tickets and they're almost sold out i think they're technically oversold so you should grab your tickets yeah, for that and soon. lodging on top of it 
yeah, the whole park is is sold out for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. But that is not the case for Fork Fest because Fork Fest is decentralized. It's a smaller event. It's more intimate. Uh, and you can come and hang out with some freedom-loving people June 27th through July 3rd. All you need to do it is to reserve your campsite, your RV site, or your motel room with Rogers Campground. And then you can celebrate Independence Day with other freedom-loving people here in New Hampshire. It is a place to come. Uh, it's a great excuse to come on up here to check this place out. Make sure it's a real you know, movement. I mean, we talk about it all the time here, but sometimes it helps you to actually get on the ground and meet some people. We had somebody at Fork Fest last year who was asked, you know, we're sitting around a group of people around mm-hmm. a fire drinking, whatever. And, and somebody, so, so how come you came up this year? And they were like, I just wanted to make sure that this was real, <laughs> yep. you know, cause they listened to the show and that oh, kind cool. of a thing. And, and you know, you can't believe everything you hear. No doubt. Gotta and, see it yourself. And so they came to see it themselves and Forkfest.party is the website. You can go there. It's an official website, but it tells you a little bit about the event, connects you to some of the chat rooms where you can meet other attendees. Uh, there's a forum as well if you prefer that. Forkfest.party. Let's go to Gigi listening in South Carolina to WTMA, I think. Go ahead, Gigi. Good evening. Hi. I would like to make two comments. The first, right on to Richie. He was so on the money when he said If you're speeding, the cop can pull you over, whether it's a state cop, city, or county, because that is what's known legally as probable cause. And as a result of probable cause, they can search you, your body, get you out of your car, search your trunk, search your car, be careful of your civil liberties. Good for you, Richie. Well, I don't know who Second. Richie is. Uh, I assume Richie Rich. Richie Rich, probably a previous Richie episode. Richie Rich. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you're talking about our Sunday night show, which was... No, no, no. The gentleman just now. You're oh. talking about the old man, Richard, who called into the show um, no, bragging no, about... No. Oh, maybe she's talking about me. with you, Captain. Yeah. I, I I had uh, uh, briefly brought up that like yeah a big part of the whole purpose of having speeding tickets is it yes, gives them an revenue. excuse to pull you over. Sure. Once they've yes. pulled you over, they can search your car because they decide yes, so. And Ooh. what they will call it That's... is well, your speeding was probable cause, right. and I probable thought I smelled cause. marijuana, so I felt the need to search your vehicle. Yeah, usually speeding isn't probable cause for a search. Uh, it is. It is. It gives. A county, city, and or state police officer, the legal recourse to pull one over, this is known as probable cause. And as a result of probable cause, it can all follow. Searching, frisking, this is this was known as Map versus Ohio at the United States Supreme Court. Right, because he was correct when he said that. Because a uh, a police officer can just go, "Oh, I smell something," and then that's how they can search well, your car. Well, and, and well, once, you're, you and once I see you committing a crime, I can suspect you of it. another crime, uh, a related crime. Right, so correct. Just for the correct. record, probable cause is very, very sensitive. So people need to be aware of their civil liberties. All right, Gigi, just and- for the record, that was Peakless Mountaineer who said that. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, I just and want to clarify second- what we're saying here. I mean, look, we, we can't give legal advice. We're not attorneys. But my understanding is that you, what you're saying, Peakless, is that getting pulled over could open the door to a search Correct. because Absolutely. a dishonest cop 
could make Correct. the claim that he smells marijuana and use or, that as the excuse. Or but a I lot mean, of the like, times okay, it doesn't. Or, okay, well, or I watched you. I watched you break the law by speak. Hang on, Gigi. I wa- I'm going to put her on hold. Go ahead. All right. Or just, I watched you break the law by speeding. Mm-hmm. What were you getting away from so fast? I think you were a robber. I think you were trying to escape the scene of a crime. Uh, no, they Therefore, have to have an actual robber. Uh, supposedly, they would need a robbery nearby to make that claim. I mean, they can say whatever they want. They can lie. Obviously, there's no doubt about it. But usually, in, a, in the circumstance of dealing with not a dishonest cop... They may try to ask you to search the car. That's much more common where a police officer will ask if he can search and people not knowing their rights will go ahead and let them. And then in that case, you've consented to it. Gigi, go ahead. Thank you. And you are correct about that. People not being aware of aware of their civil liberties and they are intimidated by someone in a uniform with a billy club and That's a right. big flashlight. Yes. Secondly, the gentleman from North Georgia who has a concern over what uh, he said that the sheriff allegedly said Mm -hmm. and did, there are recourses locally for any layperson in a particular municipality when an individual feels that sheriff did or said something or both that isn't legal. You have your city commission board, your county commission board, and the mayor. Yeah, but those people never do anything. They're all on the same team. I don't even know how to access them. No, well, you can go I down and talk to them. They're that. going to blow you I, off. I would not agree with that because it gets on record legally. Doesn't matter. And let me tell you, when somebody wants to be reelected, you can recall that sheriff. Well, I mean, you're talking about the system generally, and 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 Gigi, I understand from a pre- from previous calls that you might be uh, you might have worked as an attorney or may still, but uh, you're talking about the system generally, and you're acting as though it actually works. And I'm here to tell you that it's designed to be obtuse, it's designed to be difficult, it's designed to be inaccessible, uh, it's designed to be confusing, it's designed to be expensive, and it's designed to really frustrate any kind of attempt to do anything about it and thank you for the call tonight i i I understand why she's saying what she's saying because she really does believe these things about the system and maybe as an attorney with some level of power or influence maybe it works differently for people like her but it doesn't work that way for for people who aren't you know in the system well and it's one thing for it to okay well now you have a legal record of it and sure like you're used to being in court where yeah if there's a legal record of this thing then you can refer to that legal record Mm -hmm. and it will be assumed to be accurate and true once you're already in court but you you have the position where you can like speak to the court directly and not be you know considered a fool for doing so whereas like anyone who tries to represent themselves will not see the same level of Mm -hmm. respect by any shred of the of the imagination right and it's, and and okay so like you you've got this legal record nothing's going to happen unless you make it happen it's like you said earlier the the system is the punishment in in a lot of cases because somebody like me would have to hire somebody like Gigi to assist me in navigating the bureaucracy in order to get whatever wrong has been done to me, right it or attempt to. And then the success rate of that is nil, even if mm-hmm. I do go out and seek some expertise. Look at the number of corrupt sheriffs that have been out there. I mean, of course, you don't have to go uh, look at, uh, for instance, Arizona, where yeah. the Joe Arpaio was sort of known oh, for yeah. many, many years. It's just essentially 
subjecting people to torturous level conditions in the county jail and not respecting people's rights in any way, shape, or form for many, I don't know, decades. And this guy just kept on getting away with it. It didn't matter how much information would be revealed about all of his depredations. People just kept on putting him back into office. So it really doesn't matter yeah, what you say if the local you know, people are a bunch of psychos or they support having a psycho for a sheriff. Yeah, and there's this idea, well, you could take them to trial. No one can afford that. People can't right. afford a $1,000 emergency. Three out of five people are waking up in the middle of the night worried about about finances we yeah. can't afford so-called justice yeah, good luck hiring an attorney i mean for all the attorneys out there that are willing to take a case pro bono it's still hard to find any of them who want to sue the government and sue the sheriffs who may be corrupt and may come after the ter- the attorney and their family personally more coming up free talk live phones are open here although if you're not on the line right now probably won't have room for you because everybody always piles in in the last few segments so if you don't get in tonight it's okay we have a sunday show i'll be here tomorrow that's right and uh, the sunday crew will be here we'll, we'll be taking calls from 7 to 10 eastern as we do seven nights per week tonight it's ian here Beagless Mountaineer. And the captain. And you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. Grab archives and and more all there for free. freetalklive.com. We're going to go back to your calls and thoughts. But Peakless, I know you wanted to comment on uh, Ukraine. Can you do that here? No, I, I, I pretty much like got it in. Like just the the like nothing is worth this. Like what? Oh, your demands. But they are, are bringing to... weapons. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's more weapons from the United States yeah, going a, in there. Yeah, right? there's a bunch of weapons that we didn't send to Ukraine because we thought it would be provocative. We thought it might provoke them into escalating this this scenario. And now we're like, yeah, now. Nah, go ahead send those helicopters that we weren't going to send send way more of what we're sending send a a higher grade of weaponry to ukraine we we apparently no longer care about poking the bear mm. that might just you know bring about a nuclear winter that makes it impossible for plants to grow on planet earth for the next thousand years so this sounds like a pretty serious escalation then yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, we are engaged in full-blown proxy war. When you say we, you mean the U.S. federal yes. government, right? Well, You're not part of them, are we, you? Only as a victim. <laughs> okay. Only as a victim. <laughs> Let's go to Robert. He's in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, how's, you, how you, how's it going, guys? What's up, Robert? Hey, go ahead. you want to have nightmares? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? Go ahead with your thoughts. Um, If you want to have nightmares... Watch the movie Threads. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. I've never heard of it. Threads? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's a kind of like a not really a mock documentary about uh, basically what happens like after the bombs drop and, you know, mad actually happens. It's very disturbing, like extremely. Yikes. But I had some uh, thoughts on the police. Uh, Like, I'm not a lawyer, but I will give everybody some advice. Number one, record every interaction that you have with any uh, any government official. Great idea. And number two, mm-hmm. if you ever get stopped by police, they are not your friend. Nope. They, they, they are not there to help you. And the Miranda rights say anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Yes. Nothing you say can actually benefit you like what you tell the police. Never talk so, to cops. Agreed. So, yeah, at the end of the day, say nothing record the cops every time you get stopped 
Yeah, I have, I have a that's... very specific threshold on that one. So, like immediate interaction, I'm going to be just as happy and kind and like on your side as I possibly can be until I think that this is going to be more than just a uh, let me off with a warning situation. Soon as I as soon as I have a suspicion of that, like once they're trying to pump me for more information than just like where are you coming from and going, like as soon as that, like shut down. Don't talk to them. Nothing you say can help. To say don't talk to cops for me is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, There are very specific things that I do say. Uh, Am I being detained? That's a very good thing to say to uh, police. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I don't answer questions. That's also a very key phrase that that I like to employ. I got to agree with that one, uh, Captain. And Robert, I have to agree with you as well. Uh, If there's a cop approaching you in any way, shape, or form, you should be pulling, using that time to pull out the nearest video recording device and start it rolling because I understand where you're coming from, Peakless, and everybody has their own approach, but... You got to have it on the record from start to finish because if you're not recording that conversation, even when it's the normal stuff like you're talking about, it could shift quickly and you won't have that on video. And plus, if a cop knows they're being recorded, in many cases, they will change their behavior. And in many cases, they change it for the better. Now, they could change it for the worse. That is a possibility. You could have a rogue cop who might grab the camera, throw it on the ground, pull you out of the car and beat you to death. I mean, that could happen, but I think it's less likely when you record. And the other thing is, whenever you're having the sort of regular conversation you have to remember sometimes what you consider to be a regular conversation is actually that police officer fishing for information in a way that may not trigger you like oh well, where are you coming from oh where are you, you know where are you going today just ask what sounds like normal questions that another human being might ask he's looking for information mm-hmm. he's looking to make an arrest he's looking to write you a ticket so there's no benefit to you answering any of those questions generally i have to agree with the captain's uh, tactic here of just any question they ask the answer Answer is if you feel like you must answer is I don't answer questions and frequently not answering anything they're staying silent will tweak them even more it confuses them even more so giving them something to chew on by saying I don't answer questions at least gives you the feeling of saying something and gives you the, them the feeling of oh this person is hearing me I, I am yeah. being received yeah so the the corrected uh, statement that I guess I would make would be don't converse with the police. Yeah, it doesn't help you. Yeah. You, you can speak t- uh, at them using key phrases just to make them feel like you're a, you're a human being. Uh, but outside of that, I wouldn't carry it any further. And just to quick defuse a, a, a myth out there, like there's this idea that you can only not talk to them if you think that you will incriminate yourself. Remember, not only you, but anyone else in the world who could be innocent, with, they will use your information to put someone in jail. Yep. So that is a legitimate concern and a reason 100%. not to give them any information. Robert, you sound like you're pretty experienced with this. Um, are you uh, like a cop blocker or a cop watcher? Or um, no, um, I'm a uh, I'm a civil rights activist in my area. Nice. And I, I just you know I, I try just try to keep. It's like I don't I don't hate the person in the uniform. No, nope. you know, like I, I don't because they're they're a human like me and you. But the police as an organization, they're culpable as a group, just like the Catholic, you know, Catholic priests are culpable. Like even they may have not all done it, but they're all guilty of it because they allow what behaviors goes on yep. behind closed doors. And like, cause we can't, I mean, what are we supposed to do to fix it? You know, they, they, they investigate themselves and they found no wrongdoing. 
Yeah, you can't. It's hard to fix that system, but you can protect yourself by doing smart uh, things like we're talking about here. Robert, great, great call, man. Thanks for sharing tonight. There have been actual attorneys uh, who have gone and done studies to find out, you know, does talking to police ever help anyone? (laughs) And they couldn't find a single case, not one case where they went, hey, you know what? Uh, This person would have been better off had they just spilled their guts to the police when they were pulled over or whatever it is i think the only time you could say that it might be helpful is if you called them Mm -hmm. and you needed them for some specific reason right right? like your kid's missing or something like that okay then you might want to say oh yeah the kid's wearing a blue jacket and he left here at six o'clock or whatever so like if you called them and you wanted their attention then that's a different situation versus being pulled over or whatever let's go to uh will in new mexico Listening to KOBE there in Las Cruces. Go ahead, Will. Hey, can you guys hear me? All yes, right? sir. What's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted to touch on the uh, psilocybin topic you guys were, were were touching on before the break. Sure. Go ahead. Um, well, I just wanted to uh, you know talk about how the health benefits far outweigh the um, any you know risk you might be taking, and uh, I think that it's a definitely a viable treatment for things like addiction, depression, anxiety, um, you know, and I, I believe like back in the 1950s or late 50s, um, you know, it was, I think it was either scheduled or the research on it was just completely halted. Um, and also mm. for anybody listening that's interested, there's a really awesome documentary on, I think it's Netflix, it's called Fungi, um, just going over the benefits of the psilocybin, but also not just uh, therapeutic benefits for you know psychological reasons, also uh, environmental reasons. Um, these things are, are, are known to be able to break down uh, hazardous material and essentially hmm. um, filter, it, filter it through their system and uh, create you know uh, almost like a compost. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're, you're right about the history of psychedelics. Uh, of course, LSD was being researched very heavily, I believe, in the 1950s and 60s. And, of course, it caught on popularly. And then the war on drugs got a hold of them. And then, like you said, all research stopped. We're now seeing the resurgence of some research into these entheogenic psychedelics like LSD, like uh, like psilocybin mushrooms, MDMA, which isn't as much of a psychedelic, but it's its its own thing and it's pretty cool, uh, does a lot of good stuff for, for people. So some of these studies are, are pretty important and we're seeing them having some real effect on positive changes in people's lives. And I, th- I think we're just scratching the surface as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'm looking forward to what happens in the you know the next few years or something like that because uh, a lot of the, the research is, is finding uh, that if you if you do it in smaller doses actually over a longer period of time um, the the health benefits are immense you know microdose part, part of that yes exactly yeah part, so part of that uh, documentary it went over uh, called fungi I think it was uh, a uh, went over like the fact that it can treat like stroke victims and uh, you know people who suffer from it's amazing you know, will thank you man we are out of time for tonight I do appreciate your call appreciate hearing from you and uh, the captain's back tomorrow with the live Sunday show so if you didn't get on tonight you can always call earlier hopefully in the show Join tomorrow me. and we'll see you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com <laughs> 